Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That's right. And this week we are breaking down season three, episode 16, The Spoilers. The Spoilers, which first aired on March 14th, 1988. We're going to find out how that holds up. Uh, but first, let's catch up a little. What's up, Annie? Oh, lots of things. <laughs> lots of things are up with me. I'm buying an apartment. I can say it. I think. Oh my god! Mostly for mostly confirmed. I'm buying an apartment. You I can have legally say it now. I can legally say it. There's a legal contract um, that's that has been executed. Although there are certainly uh, 17 more things that need to happen and could sure. go wrong uh, before uh, such a time when I move into the apartment. Right. But. Um, Either way, I'm I'm very happy to have found a place to live. So that That's is excellent. good. I can't wait to see it. I'm assuming I'm invited. <laughs> yes, yes, uh-huh. all all are invited. And this is the this is the interesting thing about the list of people who came to visit me in Chicago is probably two to three people in the <laughs> in the three years I was there. Sure. Uh, in the time I've been back in New York, which has been only a year so far, I have seen more Vermonters uh, than <laughs> in the entire three years I was in Chicago. So I actually do think that uh, more folks will be visiting me. Um, yeah, which for sure. It's exciting. New York is a destination for people from Vermont, for sure, especially now that we have a train that goes there. The tra- How excited are you for the train? I have thoughts about the train, yeah, but I, I, mean, I want to know excitement. <laughs> yeah, what, what your it's, thoughts are. The, the problem is, with I mean, a lot of people are very excited about it, and I'm not here to take that away from them. I, I think it's great that for the first time since like 1958, we finally have a direct train from downtown Burlington to New York. And I think there's a lot to be said for train travel. But I also think that when the cost is like not really all that much less than flying, and the time it takes to take the train is so much longer. Um, you're just never going to not want to fly. Um, unless like we still, we keep going in the direction we're going in and air travel gets absolutely, you know, untenable <laughs> to the point where they're canceling flights all the time and stuff. Um, you know, I would love to see us invest more in the, you know, the the rail system in general, the speed of it. If we could get to New York in five hours, then I'd be like all about it. And I'm, And the other thing I'm really excited for is, eventually this line is supposed to extend up to Montreal, which that's a that's a game changer for me. I think so too. I think the train to Montreal would be incredible from Burlington as someone who lived in Burlington for five years and often went to Montreal mm-hmm. and often had to navigate like driving and borders and parking and all of that in Montreal, like train yeah. there, like absolute game changer. My thing with the train to Burlington, are, there's a couple things. One, exactly what you're saying about flights. It's mm-hmm. not that much cheaper than flying and it is more expensive than putting gas in your car right um and so and it and it takes longer so it takes seven and a half hours your car takes five hours and it's cheaper so if you're trying to de-incentivize people from driving not the best move it's more expensive only thing worse is a bus right (laughs) yeah and so for me i think coming to New York, it might be a little more um, appealing because you're like, oh man, I don't want to bring my car if I'm going to Manhattan, blah, blah, blah. But as someone who's traveling to Vermont, uh, to not have a car once you get to Vermont um, is a little bit less of a convenience. But yeah, I just wish it was like a little cheaper, a little speedier. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get there one day. Um, so if anyone from Amtrak is listening yeah. to this, um, <laughs> just uh, get your shit together, please. I'm sure there are podcasts with nerds talking about trains, right? <laughs> that must yeah, happen. and we're one of them now. So yeah. <laughs> I hope you are excited to join that club. As a as a middle aged man, a middle aged white man, I feel like getting into trains is for sure the next thing. Okay, we do need to get onto this episode somehow. True. All right, let's let's get we into gotta, it. We, we got to get into the spoilers, and I don't mean spoilers for the episode. I mean the title of the episode is the spoilers. I um, feel spoiled. I'll tell you that right. Full now. disclosure: we were supposed to talk about this uh, episode last week, and we didn't get to because we had technical difficulties. So we are going on uh, a week lo- a week old memory of the show um, yeah so that's you... important yeah. I watched this episode a week ago I should disclose that um, and we had a lot I... to say then that we didn't get to say so we did have a lot to say and believe me the the broad strokes are still yeah. very fresh <laughs> still in my there. mind um, so why don't you give us uh, and our listeners a refresher on what the IMDB summary of this is Oh, I would love that. Uh, A mountain man who goes by the name Earthquake witnesses a corrupt organization dumping toxic waste into a river. His testimonial is vital for MacGyver and Pete, who are trying to bring the company down. But Vietnam flashbacks cause Earthquake to be unstable, threatening the case and the lives of MacGyver and himself. Ooh, yeah. We're getting into the corporate greed storylines this season, and I'm loving it. Um, first thoughts, what did you think about this episode? I mean, I feel like (laughs) the portrayal of PTSD in this episode (laughs) is so incredibly cartoonish and horrible. Mm. And I feel, uh, I, I feel really bad thinking about somebody who's actually gone through, you know, horrific wartime experience in you know, the late sixties, early seventies, and then having to see this in 1988 on television, they must've had to relive the trauma all over again, because that's how bad this uh, depiction was. But it was everywhere, especially in cop and detective shows in the late seventies and early eighties. It was everywhere. Um, I I wonder if it felt like representation in a way or whether it was just triggering. You you know, know? I'm, I'm all for like addressing things, but I think it, it just has this feel where they paint PTSD as just a very on the nose, sort of like a visual flashback that's triggered by something that is really close to what that thing is, AKA someone who looks like a person that you remember, or, you know, a, a loud noise that reminds you of a a bomb or a gunshot. So it's that kind of on nose thing which i think it as you learn more about ptsd and trauma you're just like yeah that's not necessarily like a one-to-one thing um and so it's really hard to watch this now yeah yeah and they're not gonna i mean there's just not gonna have the subtlety of (laughs) because really the episode is not about that it's just that's the convenient plot point that you know yeah throws an obstacle in the way of the of of earthquake the giant wrestler um i i mean well and also the idea that he gets violent and goes crazy when he's having such a an episode is is also feels like i was very um i was glad i was relieved when he told the story about i really thought that story was going to end with him killing a kid in an alleyway because of his flashback um Mm -hmm. and the fact that all he did was like grab this kid and put him up against the wall and then he kind of came to and really what he was doing before he was really truly hurt anybody um was i was like oh they'd never do that today like the flashback would be like oh i brutally murdered a kid <laughs> yeah no, no um but uh i mean i wrote like 
like within the first five minutes, we have a giant wrestler with a mustache and a pink and a fire hose full of pink goo and a gunshot wound. I mean, we're really off to a, a hell of a start here. Um, and we have to watch another dog die three and a half minutes into the episode, you do, uh, which you puts do. our animal cruelty count at 909 for this season. Animals harmed. Yeah, of course, uh, the dog is going to die. And of course, you know, MacGyver is going to give a self-righteous speech about corporate greed and pollution and how right. all these things are wrong. Um, and so we're we're really ticking a lot of the boxes. I mean, on when this we one. open the episode with these bad guys, uh, just like fire, fire hose from a truck into the river. I mean, talk about on the nose, the idea that like, like corporate pollution, we have to see it being done like physically from a truck out mm-hmm. of a hose into your drinking water. But then the fact that I said, I wrote, is this pollution from the Nickelodeon factory? Because it's like, <laughs> it's like pink, hot pink goo, um, which is another idea of like what we thought pollution was in the 80s. Like, what the fuck? Right. Like the idea that it would have to be two thugs physically going yeah. to a location and dumping something out of a the truck. Radioactive like goo out of the truck. Yeah, yeah. That is just a very like yeah. cute <laughs> idea now yeah. um, <laughs> that yeah, we think sure. that that's, that's how this kind of stuff happens. Um, but I mean, you know, uh, it's some, uh, it's, it's, we got some fun stuff. I mean, this earthquake character, <laughs> I wrote, I also wrote, is this redneck John Wick? Because basically <laughs> someone kills his dog and he goes crazy. Um, but he's this giant guy with a handlebar mustache and like, you know, uh, they make a big deal out of the fact that he's like, he's a big guy. He's like refrigerator, you know, size. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a funny character this guy is. Yeah, he is very funny. And I also love that we have the classic 80s, 90s trope of the whole uh, plot centering around getting somebody to the stand to testify. You know, this Mm. idea that someone is going to by force make sure that he cannot bear witness to what he has seen. Um, And that's that's a big 80s, 90s uh, plot point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, we've, we're actually seeing some mobile phones this season, which I think is really interesting. <laughs> we're talking 1988 and we're starting to see some like people calling from, from car phones and big oversized mobile devices, which I think is really fun. Um, and, uh, I, I, you, you know, we get to this point, there's a lot in this episode that I found fun. Like, um, you know, when they, with the two of them have to like MacGyver and what's his name? Earthquake have to like Earthquake. break into this place to try to like find out what's going on. And they MacGyver does a little bit of comedy, like a little character comedy where he's like plays a delivery man to get in. And he's like, the boss says, I got to bring this stuff in. I got a hot, like it. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to talk about the hot load (laughs) because my God, the idea that that got on television. I I mean, I I think it meant something very different then. Um, But, but getting the, you know, getting the lead out the whole, um, he's, he's very funny uh, in this. And I actually, it reminds me that, I don't know when this is going to happen, but um, when I was a kid, there there was this thing. It almost felt like an SNL character. There was this thing where occasionally MacGyver would go undercover when he had to like when a when a, a crime syndicate needed a tech guy, he would go undercover as this nerdy tech character, and he would put his hair in a ponytail and put glasses on and like a pocket protector, and he was like a Steve Urkel type of character. Um, which I know when we get to it is going to blow your mind if we get to it because it's just a uh, 
it's so like far from the tone of this it's show just, right now. Yeah, it's just a memory that you have and you yes. have no idea when it pops up. And it was up like in that it program. was almost like, you know, whenever you saw Steve Urkel show up, it was like you knew what you were getting and it was and they just they kept bringing that character back, I think because it lent a little bit of like lighthearted comedy to the whole thing. Um and then, you know, invariably like he'd be found out and he'd have to like, you know, take his ponytail out and <laughs> show who he really was. But he was he was doing a nerd voice and everything. Um and so, I, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so, you know, we've seen little hints of that. Like when he, uh, I forget whether he like stole a tow truck or something in one episode and he like played like this Midwestern, you know, blue collar. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. There like, was another kind of uh, instance of him doing that where yeah. he is very, car- you know, very Sneakily, like yeah. obviously, you know, doing a different character and it's sort of a joke with the audience. Yeah. And and yeah, yeah I, I like that stuff. So that's kind um, of fun, but. Yeah, I want to talk about the faux love interest of Earthquake, um, <laughs> a woman who is part of, and, and again, this is a week ago I watched it, so I don't remember if she's part of the Phoenix Foundation like briefing team or she's if the she's, yeah. yeah, part of the legal team. She's either part of the court team or she's part of the Phoenix Foundation. So she is um, an Asian American woman. And when Earthquake sees her, he immediately has a flashback to a woman that he met while in Vietnam and also fell in love with. And I was just (laughs) so upset by this. I I mean... Here's here's what I will say. Like I was reading about this episode in preparation for this podcast, and I learned that originally they thought about ending this episode with the two of them getting together, but ultimately decided not to. And thank God God for that. I mean, thank God that they weren't like, well, this is an interchangeable woman. Let's get her in there. (laughs) What they did instead is almost worse, which is that they gave him a new puppy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so basically what they're saying is that a puppy is interchangeable (laughs) with this lost love that he has experienced. I didn't take it Um, that way necessarily. But I, I mean, I thought the whole like flashing back to, I mean, I know it's a trope. I know it's like Vietnam guy goes, uh, you know, to Vietnam, fights the war, falls in love with Vietnamese woman, um, and like uh, tries to bring her back to the United States or what have you, and like or never sees her again. Yeah, they get um, separated somehow. Yeah, they have yeah. a child. Like it's a whole, uh, you know, it, it's a whole thing. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see a, a, a Vietnamese love interest in his flashbacks to Vietnam. But the, but but I I really just thought like I didn't think twice about the fact that we had an Asian sub character in the in the present tense um uh, storyline and and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he literally like comes around a corner and sees her and he flashes back and like freaks out and i'm just i just lost my mind i was like i think i screamed at the television and then of course immediately googled the woman because i have to know is this woman vietnamese or not (laughs) and of course she is not she is a japanese actress um uh, asian american asian canadian maybe probably um and uh, just the fact that they were like, good enough, you know, he sees an Asian woman. That's all that matters uh, is I know. Just and, and I could maybe, maybe, maybe see it if she was not the only Asian person right. in yes. this episode of television. But no. <laughs> and she like pops up like a jack in the box in his face and triggers his PTSD. Yeah, it's like a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> like she really just kind of pops out and he's like, whoa. Yeah, I was really uh, I was having a great time with this episode until that happened. And then was like, oh, my God, I I was shocked. (laughs) 
even for MacGyver, yeah, yeah. that was rough yeah. to watch. Well, I mean, and I think we'll get into this in the next episode too, is that like, we are really starting to get into territory of like, um, the producers of this show having their hearts in the right place and making some missteps along totally. the way, trying to totally. make some message, you know, come through. And, um, and you know, this is like their way of like trying to, uh, I mean, you know, it doesn't hold up now, but I think at the time, no one thought twice about it, you know? Um, no, at the time, it. I'm sure this was considered a sort of like, hey, like we're we're trying to, to shoot for some representation and we're yeah. trying to like educate people about, you know, different PTSD. communities and right. that's that's fine, I guess. Yeah. But um, <laughs> and it doesn't come across as pro-war. So I guess right. that's good. That's <laughs> good. And, and it's certainly like anti, you know, big corporations and stuff. Yeah, so there's certain things to latch on to that are like, okay, there's some values uh, in this that I can yeah. kind of identify with, yeah. but like, who boy, and this anti-corporate thing too is like, you know, when you think about it, um, I remember reading about the fact that um, if you go back and watch the original Back to the Future movie, um, the difference between Back to the Future 1 and 2 and 3 is kind of pronounced in that like the sole goal of the first movie is for him to get back to his own time so he can get like a, a beautiful truck um, yeah. you know, that big black, beautiful truck he wants to take up to the lake and his girlfriend. It's very materialistic. And it, the, and I remember the producers talking about how, like, that's when we were making, when they were making the movie in 1984 or whatever, that's, that was like, you know, the boom, like that was the yeah. wall street boom where everybody like was so materialistic and that's all anyone cared about. And by the time, like they filmed two and three that, you know, the culture had moved on a little bit and it starts to feel like this coming out in 1988 still feels a little bit ahead of its time in the sense that like. We all know that capitalism is destroying the planet um, and the fact that they were, you know, and I think there there was like, I remember growing up in this era and just being like having a vague idea that like, yeah, the whales are being killed and the rainforests are being destroyed. We got to do something about that. Um, but it, it, there was no like there's no real cultural awareness that it was like giant corporations that right. were doing it. It wasn't. And it was, yeah. And you know. there wasn't at the same like awareness of climate change being a very corporate responsibility. Right. You know, we were still on the tip of like, everyone needs to recycle. Everyone needs to do your part. Well, we were calling and, like, it the greenhouse, like, the greenhouse effect. And it was a yeah. new buzzword that we didn't even know if it, you could prove it or not. Like it was that new. Um, yeah. So, and, yeah. And also I think that sort of reminded me that like we hadn't yet reached like that 90s thing where like the worst thing you could be is like corporate and a sellout right, and all of right. that stuff. And the culture was going to move in that direction. And like so MacGyver was like a, a little bit ahead of its time when it Tiny comes to bit. the environmental <laughs> stuff yeah. and when it comes to like the corporations or evil stuff. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if like Bernie has a writing credit on this or. <laughs> what <laughs> right because that guy's been screaming about it forever um uh I, I now i do think first we get the you know i love stuff i love like there's a montage where he's just like walking down an alley at night and some and the people jump him and like these nice big wide alleys and like uh, you know beautifully lit with the fog and everything and he's flashing back to vietnam and there's some like fun visuals in this whole thing that, that's with the you know dramatic music and everything um I was kind of having fun with the episode, like I said, until this Asian lady thing happened. And then after that, there's this whole third act thing where before we have our ending, MacGyver is sneaking in back into this building at night by himself. And it is the longest goddamn. He's like crawling around forever. on the yeah. upper parts of this building, mm -hmm. um, sneaking around, trying not to get caught 
for so long with nothing happening that I was falling asleep. Yeah, this is another instance of like, okay, cool, they had access to a warehouse. Yeah, and so right. this is, we're just seeing him crawling around on different scaffolding on a warehouse. It's great that you it. got a lot of B-roll, guys, but you don't need yeah. to use every inch of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is how I felt. Yeah, that that was really unnecessary. Like, again, like this episode could have been 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, and yeah. it would have been, it. we would have gotten the gist, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, and I, I think the ending, too, was very, like, we've got this weird thing where he's running around by himself, putting an inner tube inside of a pickup truck and ex- exploding it. And um, it's kind of a weird, I mean, he's doing a macgyver thing in a warehouse uh, to try to create a diversion. So I'm never going to really complain about that. Um, but it did feel like... Um, it really relied on the villains being very, very stupid. Um, you know, the thing goes off and they don't know what to do. And it's like, you know, they've got a gun trained on, on, you know, his, on his buddy. They could just squeeze the trigger at any moment. Like it just, yeah. And the whole premise behind this is that these, um, uh, polluter guys are trying to frame earthquake for murder. Mm -hmm. And so the whole premise behind MacGyver breaking into this warehouse is he's going to somehow set the record straight. He's going to somehow kind of like make it so that uh, earthquake doesn't go down for murder. It's just very convoluted, um, in terms of like, how is this, how you would, yeah. Uh, you know ha- do that um but yeah but like fun stuff with um like i love the idea of like macgyver having kind of this like burly sidekick like yeah, that was totally. kind of fun like the two of them kind of running around together was fun um i like that we're like bringing awareness to the stuff but yeah like the whole uh, the murder subplot and like the flashbacks and the the treatment of this uh lawyer gal uh yeah, who he like that stuff always all strikes against this episode yeah. i mean you know we have a little bit of a redemption story with him and stuff and i understand that i uh, i was noticing this is a pattern i've been noticing lately is that uh, cuz you know i always i always notice it when macgyver gets mad and yells at someone because it's so out of character for him yeah and i'm starting to notice a common denominator which is that um, when his friends, and we use that term very broadly because everyone who's an ally in any of these shows becomes his friend, right? He's like very big on friendship. Um, When his friends get down on themselves for whatever reason, MacGyver gets mad (laughs) and yells at them. Yeah, he does not like it. Um, And it's, it's like, I think that's maybe too another, like um, maybe it's a, maybe it's an era thing. Like I, I, I think about like if a friend came to me and was feeling very down and, and shitting on themselves, the last thing I would do is yell at in their face that they're being stupid and shut up. That's my friend you're talking about, you know, unless you're being, you're kidding and you're like, shut up, bitch, you're amazing. You know? Um, but like when his friends get down on themselves, he, he like lectures them in a way that's like angry sounding. Um, and he does that with earthquake in this episode. And yeah. Just, like, he goes yeah. a little bit mad dad on them. Yeah. And mad I dad, don't, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not effective. Like it's, I mean, I'm sure at the time it felt like, well, he's passionate he cares, you know, but yeah, it's like tough love type yeah. of thing, but yeah, it doesn't, it, it just feels like abuse me. now. Like verbal abuse. Um, anyway, all right, we've talked enough about this. Um, I do like the dog showing up at the end. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't equate it as a replacement for his uh, Vietnamese girlfriend. I, 
just equated it as a replacement for his dead dog. Well, at least we're like, we're breaking even on the dog. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean count. A, the, the animal cruelty count remains the same. It doesn't take that away. And it doesn't preclude the need for, uh, for earth, earthquake to get some serious therapy. <laughs> I oh feel my like God. the dog yes, is given please. to him as therapy. And I think he needs actual therapy. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Both. Why yeah, not both? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of trivia with this. Uh, this guy's name is Tex Cobb. How? hilarious is that name <laughs> the guy who plays uh, earthquake Tex Cobb. they should have just kept that name i know I mean, he truly. was a wrestler and uh or a boxer he, he did everything uh and did a bunch of movies i found this little story about him where um uh there was a 1993 sports illustrated article that alleged that he participated in a fixed fight and used cocaine uh before the fight and t- uh, Tex Cobb sued the magazine for 150 million dollars for libel I don't know if he won or not. Um, and uh, finally, uh, three of the bad guys from this episode will come back in other episodes of other characters, including the main guy, which we didn't really talk about, but we had a nice, educated, like w- well-spoken, smart, black villain, um, which did. again, we, we don't did. usually get that in this era. Um, yeah, corporate thug, but... He'll be least. back as another <laughs> character in another episode, but our recycled actor count remains the same. So, whew, that's it. Anything else before we score this episode? No, I'm excited to score it. Okay, what do you think? (laughs) I gotta say, I found the PTSD stuff really distracting, (laughs) Um, so I'm giving it a four. Wow, okay, okay. Um, Man, I I feel like these episodes this season for me are, um, like they're not as wildly different from episode to episode. Like the last season I felt yeah. like good episode, all terrible episode, decent episode, road, yeah. great episode, bad episode. So with this one, I feel like they're all a little closer together. So I gave this one a seven because there was like a good amount of it that I was entertained by, especially the earthquake thing. I just thought it was like super fun. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, so very little on uh, opposite sides of the fence with that one. Uh, but yeah. that's okay. That's why we do this. Um, is it? Why do we do this anyway? Um, <laughs> anything to plug? Yeah, people can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Annie M. Russell. I'm going to be doing some, some shows in Boston in the next couple weeks, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, yes. And yeah. And what you'll about also you? be in Vermont in the middle of September. So check out Maria Bamford. You're going to be opening for her and Freshman on the 16th of September. Look, I'm doing yes. your plugs for you. <laughs> so many things. Um, yeah, very excited to be back in Vermont. Um, I'm also going to see two of my really good friends get married when I'm Wee. there. So I'm excited about that. Great. Um, I have nothing to plug other than the usual. Check out Vermont Comedy Club. And uh, I have another podcast that I'm gearing to gearing up to uh, relaunch. It's called The Corporation. And uh, that's it. That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out our website, themacgyverpod.com. All our socials, it's all at the MacGyver Pod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can watch them on Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime. Next week, we'll be covering Season 3, Episode 17, Mask of the Wolf. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are the, the adventures, adventures of life. life.